I'm excited to be here tonight. I'm really excited to be in here tonight. Uh, I've joked with a couple people that I feel like a minor league baseball player who's been called up from the minors to the majors. I'm doing the exact same thing I do every Wednesday night. I'm just doing it in front of a bigger audience. Uh, so I'm really excited to be here. Um, one of the things that some of you know about me, but all of you will know about me tonight, is I love to fish. It's one of my favorite things to do. I don't get to do it as often as I would like. I used to do it a lot. Uh, I used to take my girls fishing all the time. But I also had a group of guys that I would go fishing with. Some family members and some friends, there were six of us. And we would plan these fishing trips and we would go on two trips a year. We would take one in the spring and we would take one in late summer, early fall. Uh, and we would go on these four or five day trips and since there were six of us, we would rotate through who got to pick what lake we went to, what weekend we did. And so when it would come to my turn, I would pick. And every single time that I picked, the weather would be terrible. Either we would go and the wind would blow 50 miles an hour for two days and we couldn't get on the lake. Or we would go even, uh, I tried to take us further south one time, and in early May, we had near freezing temperatures in early May in central Texas. It, so it got so bad that my friends that I go fishing with, they would stop letting me pick. I didn't get to pick anymore. And it got so bad that they wouldn't even tell me the dates because whenever I would look at the calendar, you could go look at the forecast and it would instantly start to go downhill. So they would just give me a month and they would say, April, we're going to go on a four-day trip, be, have your bags packed, be ready. And the week of, I'd get a call and say, we're going. That way I could not mess up the weather for them. So this gift that I have has followed me into the college class. Last year, we took the college class on three trips. The first one, we went to Lubbock to play golf at four, and it was in the 30s with the wind blowing out of the north at 30 miles an hour, and we froze to death. Second trip, we went to the lake to go play, swim, and it was cold and rainy the entire time. The last one is we went to go float the river, and I picked the busiest weekend that you could pick to go to the San Antonio area. So, I tell you all this to give you fair warning. If you ever end up on a mission trip with me, you do not want to follow me when I pick a security line to go through, because it's going to be the slowest, and odds are my bag is going to get pulled and gone through. So, you have fair warning. I am terrible at picking things. There's good news. Jesus isn't. Jesus doesn't make mistakes. Whether it is picking somebody, calling somebody to follow after him, or if it's giving a command. We're going to see that tonight in the passage we're going to read. That Jesus doesn't make mistakes like I do. So, 
Before we jump in and we read, I think there's a few things that we kind of need to go over. We are jumping into a new book. If you're reading along with us in our plan to go through the New Testament, we're now in the book of Luke. And I picked five chapters into that new book. So there's four chapters to kind of catch up on. So a few things um, about Luke before we read our passages. The Gospel of Luke and the book of Acts were both written by Luke, the Gentile physician. He was a friend of Paul, and he would accompany him on many of his missionary journeys. The Gospel of Luke proclaims that Jesus is the Savior of the world. So, so for extra credit, see how many of y'all know this. A few years back, Landon walked us through the entire book of Luke. Took us, I think, almost two years. Can anybody tell me what the theme verse for Luke is? What is it? Luke 19.10. And what is, what's the verse? The Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. Landon drilled that into our heads week after week after week after week. So, I looked it up. It was actually, when I say a few years ago, I thought it was not that long ago. I looked it up. It was six years ago that we finished the book of Luke, which seems impossible. But when you think about, we just went through two years of COVID, it doesn't seem that bad. Okay, so, in the book of Luke, Luke gives us a couple things. In chapters 1 and 2, we get the story of the birth of John the Baptist and the story of the birth of Jesus. In chapter 3, we see the preparation for Jesus' ministry to begin. And then in chapter 4, verse 14, Jesus begins his ministry in Galilee. And when he begins, he goes and he preaches in many places, and he goes and he heals many people. And word about him, his fame spread throughout the entire area. And people wanted to come see him. So one note before... Uh, about geography before we uh, get into this as well. Luke says that the story that we're going to read takes place at the lake of Gennesaret. That lake is the Sea of Galilee. Gennesaret is a a village that's kind of southwest of Capernaum on the north side of the Sea of Galilee. So I've got a little map here to kind of show you Capernaum is at the top, and just down to the left of it is Gennesaret. That's where our story is going to take place tonight. So, let's go ahead and jump in and talk about the big idea. The big idea for our passage is this. God uses followers of Jesus to bring people to salvation by the power and authority of Jesus. God uses followers of Jesus to bring people to salvation by the power and authority of Jesus. So, if you have your Bible, you can go ahead and turn to Luke chapter 5. We're going to jump in and read our passage. It says this, On one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, 
he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, and he saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked to put out a little from the land, and he sat down and taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep and let your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing, but at your word, I will let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish, and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boats to come and help them, and they came and filled both boats so that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me. I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so were, and so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on you will be catching men. And when they had brought the boats to the land, they left everything and followed him. That's the word of God. Let's pray. Father, we want to take a moment tonight to just pause. We want to praise you for who you are. And we're thankful for what you've done for us. Tonight, as we we think about... uh, the passage we just read, as we think about it, Lord, I pray that you would give us eyes to see, that you would give us ears to hear, and that our hearts would receive your word. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, when we start in a passage like this, this is one of those passages where we need to use one of the tools that Landon has talked to us about. He talked to us about this tool a couple weeks ago. The tool is reading horizontally. So reading vertically is when you read a book from beginning to end. You start at chapter 1, verse 1, and you read all the way through. That's reading vertically. Reading horizontally is when you find a story that's in multiple books, and you read that story in all the different books to find the different details that are in there about them. It's very helpful for a story like the one we're reading tonight. The calling of the first disciples is in the book of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So it's helpful for us to get details. If you read just the book of Matthew and Mark, you would think that Jesus just walks up to the shore and finds two random guys that are sitting there fishing, and he says, follow me, and they drop everything and follow him. But when we read the book of Luke, Luke gives us a little more detail. There's details in there to let us know that Jesus actually knew Peter and that Peter knew Jesus. In Peter, uh, I'm sorry, in Luke chapter 4 verse 38, Luke tells the story of Jesus going to Peter's house and he actually heals Peter's mother-in-law of a high fever. (laughs) 
The other clue that we read in this passage that hints the fact, at the fact that they know each other is Peter addresses Jesus as master, which is a sign of authority. Now, when you jump over into the book of John, we get a whole lot more detail. When you get to John, you find out that Peter's brother, Andrew, was actually one of John the Baptist's disciples. And Andrew was there with John the day after Jesus' baptism. And Jesus walks past John, and John says, Behold the Lamb of God. And at that moment, Andrew started following Jesus. And the first thing he does is he goes and finds his brother Peter and says, we have found the Messiah. And Andrew takes Peter to meet Jesus. So, it's like a puzzle that you have to put together. We take all these pieces and we put it together to help make this a complete story. So, reading horizontally helps us put this together, and it helps us understand that Jesus knew Peter and that Peter knew Jesus in this moment. Peter had heard Jesus teach. He had been around him for a while. So what he was teaching was not something new to him. It's not like he was a random guy that he just walks up to and says, follow me. So let's kind of talk through this story a little bit. Jesus begins to teach along the seashore. And I told you earlier that he was the, his fame had grown and people were coming from all over because they wanted to hear the word of God. That's what Luke tells us. They wanted to hear the word of God. And there were so many of them that they were pressing in on him. And Jesus looks over and he sees two boats, two fishing boats that nobody's using because those guys had been fishing all night. And they're not using the boats because they're on the shore and they're cleaning their nets, something that they would do every night. They would have to clean their nets and they would have to mend them and fix them. So Jesus jumps in Peter's boat and he asks Peter to go out a little bit. And Jesus sets down and he begins to teach all of these people that have come to see him. One of the amazing things about, that amazes me about this is having been fishing many times, when you are on the water, your voice carries across water. It's amazing. And this shoreline would have been like an amphitheater. So Jesus is out on the water and his voice would have carried up to all these people and everyone would have been able to see him. So after he finishes his teaching, he says to Peter, let's go out into the deep water and let your nets down for a catch. These guys had been fishing all night long. On the Sea of Galilee, that's whenever they fish, is at night. So they have already cleaned their nets. Everything is ready to go for the next day. And Jesus says, let's go for a catch. I have been in a boat and fished all night long and didn't catch a single thing. So I can imagine what Peter was thinking in this moment. Peter wants, 
I would think Peter would say, Jesus, what are you talking about? We're the fishermen. We're professionals. And we were out here all night and didn't catch anything. I would also think that Peter would want to say, let us do the fishing and you do the teaching. Like You're the teacher. You go teach the people. Let us worry about the fishing. So, but Peter responds to him. Peter says, Lord, or master, he uses the word master. We have toiled all night and didn't catch anything. But at your request, because you asked, we will do it. So because, because of this, I think Peter is probably thinking this is the biggest waste of time. We're going we're gonna to pull out there and we're going to drop our nets and nothing's going to happen. And we're just going to sit here and then I'm going to be able to say, I told you so. To Jesus. But that's not what happens. They let their nets down. And they start to catch the biggest, their biggest catch of fish in their lifetime. Now, as a fisherman, this is one of those times where I wish there was more detail. I want to know, what did it look like underwater? When Jesus said, let your nets down, did every fish in the Sea of Galilee immediately head towards Peter's boat? Or did the fish already know what was going to happen and Jesus had this big school of fish just swim, swimming out there in this deep water waiting for them to go? That's, that's the kind of stuff I think about as a fisherman. So they start to catch so many fish that their nets are breaking. They can't bring it in by themselves, so they have to call their buddies to get their boat to come over so they can haul this, this catch of fish in. And it's so big that when they start to fill the boats with the fish, both boats start to sink. And that's where we're going to begin questioning tonight. So Peter, let's talk about Peter for a minute. We love to give Peter grief, right? He's the one apostle that we pick on because he's the easiest to pick on. He says stuff when he should be quiet. He puts his foot in his mouth all the time. He jumps out and he does stuff before he thinks about it. But in this moment, Peter is a perfect example for us of how to respond to Jesus. So that's going to be our question tonight. How do we respond to Jesus? What can we learn from, from Peter's reaction to Jesus? So how do we respond to Jesus? First, we call Jesus Lord. We recognize Jesus for who he is. He is God. Peter understood that in this moment, 
He understood that in this moment, in the boat, he was standing next to somebody divine. This miraculous catch could only happen by the power of God. Peter calls him Lord in his response. Now in this moment, Peter Peter doesn't understand everything about Jesus. It's going to be clear as you continue to read the book of Luke that Peter doesn't know everything about Jesus, but he understands in this moment that he has the power of God. We're the same. We don't understand everything about Jesus when we come to him. But the first thing that we do is we call him Lord. Second, how should we respond to Jesus? We confess that we are sinners. We must recognize who we are. We are sinners. We acknowledge our sinfulness before God. Peter says this, depart from me, I am a sinful man. This makes me think of Isaiah. In Isaiah chapter 6, Isaiah has this vision and he sees the Lord on his throne and in full glory. He sees the seraphim flying around and he hears them calling out, holy, holy, holy. And he has almost the same reaction in that moment that Peter has here. We read this in Isaiah 6, 5. And I said, woe is me, for I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts." Both of these men became very aware of their sinful nature when they were in the presence of God. So when you put these first two together, we understand who Jesus is and we understand who we are, the third one comes naturally. And the third one is this, we should fear God. A sinful creature should be terrified standing before a holy God. So as I read through the New Testament, um, I thought about all the miracles that the disciples have seen. The exorcisms, the healing of the sick, of the blind, of the lame. But there's a few that stand out to me above those. And I have this list. So this list that's on the screen, these are the miracles that have taken place on the Sea of Galilee so far in what we've read as a church. So I stopped at tonight's passage. A couple weeks ago, Corey preached on Jesus calming the storm. Uh, We've read about Jesus walking on the water. And then tonight, 
our story about the miraculous catch. In each one of these stories, Jesus performs a miracle that includes his creation. And in each one of those stories, when that happens, the disciples who are with him are terrified. In the story of calming the storm, they're in the, these fishermen are in the boat, and the storm is so bad that they're scared. But when Jesus stands up and says, be still, it says they were greatly terrified. When you read about Jesus walking on the water, when they see Jesus walking across the water to them in the middle of a storm, they were terrified. And in this moment, when Peter realizes this miraculous catch that could only come from God, he is terrified. Jesus tells his disciples in Matthew chapter 10 this, Do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. We should fear God. So next, how do we respond to Jesus? We put our faith in Jesus. This is what Peter did. At this moment when Peter is terrified, Jesus turns to him and says, do not be afraid. From now on you will be catching men. And when the boats came to shore, these men dropped everything and they followed Jesus. They left everything. Now, it doesn't say they sold everything. They still owned this stuff. It was a family business. But they walked away from it. Peter walks away from it and he puts his trust and his faith in Jesus. And he begins to follow him. We must respond in the same way. We must trust Jesus with everything in our lives and be willing to walk away from everything. And that leads us to the last point that we learned from Peter. We follow Jesus. Peter trusted Jesus and he followed him everywhere he went. We are to do the same. We follow Jesus and we obey every command that he gave us. Peter walked away from fishing and followed him for the next two or three years. So Peter gives us his example of how we are to respond to Jesus. But when Peter gets to this point, Jesus gives him a new job. Jesus gives him a new mission. Jesus says, don't be afraid. From now on, you're going to be catching men. I think it's interesting that Jesus uses the word catch. If you go back, in, uh, back whenever he tells them to go out into the deep water, he says, go out for a catch. 
So one of my fishing buddies, every time we go and we get blanked, we don't catch anything, we joke with each other and say, well, there's a reason it's called fishing and not catching. But in this moment, Jesus uses the word catch. There's an assurance to it. Jesus knew when they went out that there was going to be fish in those nets. And Jesus knows whenever he sends Peter out that there are going to be men who come to him that are looking for Jesus and need a salvation. So this miracle has two purposes. This, the first purpose of this miracle is to bring Peter to faith. This, this, this miracle brings Peter to his knees right before Jesus and he says, depart from me, I'm a sinful man. I, can't, I don't even want to be around you. The second purpose of this is to show Peter what his new job's going to be. To show Peter and us a picture of what this new mission he has is going to look like. So that's the question that we want to kind of end with tonight thinking about. How does this new mission work? And the first thing that we take away from this is we are called to go and share the gospel. We are called to go and let our nets down. So we're called to go and share the gospel. Where? Where do we do this? And the answer is everywhere. With your friends, with your family, with your neighbors, with your coworkers. For some people, it means you get on a plane and you go halfway around the world. That may be a short-term mission trip where you go tell people about Jesus. For others, it may be you pack up all your stuff and you move halfway around the world and you live among those people and you tell them. This is important. Paul puts it this way in Romans chapter 10, verses 14 and 15. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how... Are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. We're called to share Jesus with people. This is how God chose to fulfill his purpose. We get the privilege of being an active part of God's plan for salvation. So that brings us to the second part of this. We have a job to do. Second is... Salvation is by the power and authority of Jesus. 
Jesus is the one who does the calling. Jesus is the one who called those fish to go into those nets. Peter and his crew had nothing to do with it. Absolutely nothing. And the same goes for us. We have absolutely nothing to do with saving a person. We don't save people. That's God's job. God does the saving, and God gets all the credit for it. We're only the workers. So in Paul's letter to the church at Corinth, he has to address an issue with some members in the church. They're fighting amongst each other about who to follow. Some of them want to only follow the person that led them to Christ. Some were led by Paul. Some were led by Paulus. So Paul has to address this issue with them. And he says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 5 through 7. What then is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants through whom you believed, as the Lord assigned each. I planted, and Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. Only God gives the growth. So only God deserves the recognition for it. We are God's workers. We are his tools. The ones he sends out to tell people about Jesus And he does the work. So one more thing that I want to uh, talk about before I wrap up is there's a detail in here that I almost overlooked. And it's this. This wasn't a one-man job. Peter did not catch all those fish by himself. He didn't haul that net in by himself. Peter needed the help of the other men in the boat with him to bring that in. And even that wasn't enough. They had to call James and John in their boat to come over and help them. Paul made it clear in the passage that we just read. One plants the seed and one waters. Some of us are called to go called to go around the world and share. Some of us are called to stay and support. But this is a team effort. Right? As a church, we're to share the gospel in our community. We don't expect Landon to do it. We don't find people who need Jesus and bring them up here and say, all right, Landon, tell them what, what they need to hear. We do that. We are God's workers and we do it as a team. Some are called to go. Some are called to stay. Some water. Some plant. But we are all a part of the mission. Every single one of us. If you're a follower of Christ, you are part of the mission 
So I pray, my prayer is that as a church, that we would do that. We would be a team that sends people, that supports people, and that in all that we do, we would glorify God above all things. Let's pray.